0: Well, uh, uh, thank you, um, Mr. President, for inviting me here to the Oxford Union. It's a great honor and a privilege. But there's a better reason why I'm here tonight. The rest of my party are somewhere in a hotel at a bonding session in Woolly Jumpers. So I'm very grateful for you getting me out of that. Uh, I'd also, um, I suppose I ought to thank the the ghostwriter who helped me provide the speech. Isabel. Um, she's got all my uh, WhatsApp messages, but thankfully, <laughs> it's not Isabel Oatshot, it's Isabel Jackson, who's um, my senior parliamentary assistant. Now, in the House of Commons, my goodness me, I thought I was coming to a civilised house tonight, having left the House of Commons. <laughs> my God, you're worse. Um, LAUGHTER now I, I have to in the House of Commons you have to find something nice to say about your, the previous speaker. And actually, it's very easy to find something nice to say about Johnston because he made my case. Um, what we—they were wonderful speakers on the opposition. Unfortunately, they weren't addressing the motion. Now, when you come and vote, you can agree with that lot, but vote for the motion now. Obviously, you're going to do it anyway, because the three speakers before me on my side. Now, the danger is, of course, when I speak, that it will go the the other way. But the question isn't about equality. It was about equality being the governing factor. It wasn't that we don't agree. You know, growth is good, and you've all agreed that, but you want equality. Well, that's fine. But that's not what the motion says. It says the goal in itself is economic equality. And that's a nonsense. Now, because I was coming to the, the Oxford Union, uh, when I go to the Cambridge Union, I don't prepare anything because I can log it. But I thought you lot were more intelligent. Yeah. So, anyway, I decided, to, I decided to write something. So we'll see how far we get before you stop me. Um, the proposers of this motion want you to believe that the opposition wants to make the rich richer and the poor poorer. A catchy slogan, but in no way connected to reality. By the way, one of our, you sir, kindly said, um, we want a better tomorrow. And then I turned and saw Edward Heath peering at me. (laughs) That, would you believe, was our manifesto commitment under uh, Edward Heath. Now, this has really got nothing to do with the motion, but since you guys didn't speak much about the motion, I I thought I might as well follow your example. (laughs) When the UK voted for Brexit in 2016, Brexiteers like me wanted to cast off the yoke of EU regulation and go for growth. By the way, I was the poor man's leaver. I wasn't, like Dan, part of this vote-leave elite. I was the the grassroots lot. You know, the ones with Farage and people like that. (laughs) Um, I just want to make that clear. I didn't want Dan to be... We argued for the opportunity to dispense with petty petty rules, putting onerous demands on businesses and and unleash the potential of the UK economy. And the trouble is when you have a speech prepared, you have to be able to turn the pages over. It it may have come as a shock, and it certainly did, to David Cameron and the liberal elite and back in Remain, just how well that message resonated with working class communities. But it was no surprise to us the big government socialist philosophies of the European Union stand in contrast to the values of hard work and just reward, underpinning those communities. I toured the country with grassroots out, and the message I heard over and over again was they didn't want handouts. They wanted hand-ups. They wanted to be aspirational. They wanted to improve their lot. They didn't want to be given stuff by the state. Point of Did, information? Of course. Of course. You say, uh, isn't Germany, which has much higher growth than us, in the EU? Um, Yes, Germany's in the EU. Um, (laughs) The the proposition would have us prioritise economic equality over economic growth. But the people they would claim to represent tonight do not want their help. These people recognise that economic growth drives job creation wage growth, and tax revenues to fund public services. They want the tools to succeed, not a condescending shift in economic policy, which this motion calls for. When we talk about economic growth, we're talking about the creation of wealth, increasing the size of the pie so that everyone's slice gets bigger. Have you remembered that I'm a Boris supporter? That should have been cake. Um, (laughs) the The bigger the cake, the more everyone gets a bit. When the Chancellor sits down at his desk in the morning, he knows that without economic growth, his tax receipts will shrink with falling revenues and any government's other policy goals become redundant. And that's the point about equality. If you don't get the growth, you can't do all the things that that side would like to do. I'm going to make a party point here. You made a party point about me. Every Labour government believes in equality and things. Oh, by the way, isn't it true that every Labour government leaves office with more people unemployed when they come into power? They want to do the right thing, but they mess it up because they believe in equality, not growth. Uh, The proposers of this motion want to reject the only way of making policy with a proven track record of lifting people out of hardship and into prosperity, and yet nothing I've heard so far has convinced me they have solved any of the challenges that have plagued every socialist government in history. Now, of course, I wrote that before I heard what you had to say, but it's true. You didn't even try to address that argument. You didn't, want, you didn't try to explain to me, without growth, how are you going to do all those things that are wonderful by making people more uh, equal? Every attempt... Uh, so now, now, you know what we say here, chuntering from the front bench. Go on if you want to intervene. No, you see, you don't. I won the argument on that one. Every attempt to create a utopia of economic equality has resulted in terrible failure. And any attempt to prioritise economic equality over economic growth would end similarly. This issue is further compounded when you consider whether the proposition would have us strive for economic equality at a national level or if it would be international. In this case, economic progress in the UK risks leaving developing nations further behind. Economic growth does not have the same moral dilemmas in the global market. If the demand from the UK grows because our our economy is expanding, this is good for everyone. Post-Brexit, by removing free movement of people from Europe, the UK has introduced a more global, outward-looking, points-based immigration system. The UK now welcomes workers from across the world, many from much poorer countries than in Europe. Not only does this benefit economic growth, but it also provides additional income to poorer nations from workers who are able to send higher wages home to support their families, and communities, and of course when they go back home, trained in this country, they do even better. Every single political system that has ever existed that has espoused equality as its ultimate goal has handed huge power to the state and been rife with incompetence and corruption. Inevitably, the poorest who those in power claim to be helping suffer the most. I concede, and this is a point that was raised many times on the the, proposer's benches, that excessive accumulation of wealth can seem vulgar. However, profit essential is an extremely powerful motivator. Looking at the Forbes list of 10 richest men in the world, the companies behind their fortunes include Tesla, Amazon, Microsoft, and Google. These companies have brought forward genuine, groundbreaking ideas and innovations. They don't just make their bank balances better or the, their employees better, but have actually imp- improves the quality of life for everyone. But, but if, as this motion says, the pursuit of economic equality is the main thing you couldn't have to have that. They'd have to be checked. there would have to be state intervention to stop them because they're making too much money. And then we wouldn't have had all the benefits that they have produced. State intervention would drastically, drastically reduce wealth through, through taxation. However, changing the level of taxation prompts behavioral changes. So higher taxes do not always lead to increased revenues at HMRC. And this wasn't mentioned, and I'm not quite sure why the opposition bench chose not to mention this. The top 10% of income taxpayers currently contribute over 60% of income tax receipts. The bottom 50% of income taxpayers contribute under 10%. The government needs revenue to ensure there's a robust safety net for those who need it and to fund certain essential public services. It is the high earners who contribute more than their fair share through taxes. <laughs> you know, when I wrote that, I wondered if anyone would <laughs> Yeah, but that's a slightly different point. It's a well-made point. But what the motion calls for is that you would prioritise economic equality. And uh, I'm going to run out of time anyway, so I'll ignore the speech. But um, what what the situation is, if we made... We're levelling up. Our government is levelling up. Well... (laughs) Yeah, OK. OK. Yeah, I tend to laugh at that as well. But... um, (laughs) But... But... But but, what the the actual policy, uh, the motion wants us all to do is to level down. We could all be equally poor, and we would achieve what the the motion requires. And that's basically what you would have to do. No, that is not what the motion said. If the motion had said that, I might have been on that side of the dispatch box. Probably not, but uh, you never know. Um, it... Now, are you digging that because you support me or is there some meaning to it? It's a time restraint. Right? How many of them have I got? Half an hour? About two or three minutes. <laughs> um, now, look, I, I, I just want to bring it back to everyone in this room. Uh, I'm not sure... You would have all have worked as hard as you did in your previous academic careers if the reward for your efforts was not potentially a mission to, let me be very polite here, one of the top universities in the world. Uh, similarly, if taxes are too high and talented people cannot see the return on investment for their time making their businesses profitable or studying for professional exams or learning a trade, they simply would not do it. Well, (laughs) hang on a minute. I'm nearly finished, but all right. Is he American? <laughs> How could someone from America suggest that to me? Um, that look, I, 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 I mix with many billionaires as it happened because I chair the all party group for American football in, in <laughs> and the owners of American football clubs, I have to remember whether they're billionaires or multi-billionaires. They seem quite nice people to me. But in, in the, in the UK, in, in, in the UK, We have progressive taxation. And I've proved the point earlier on with the figures. And that's the way to do it. But not at 99%, because the people wouldn't be here. They'd change it. So you have to... Oh, go on again. (laughs) Uh, This was something, Dan, wasn't it something Labour... Way back in the 60s or something, they charged 101% on your income. It didn't work. Because um, you don't actually what you didn't do, if you're that rich, you find ways of you know becoming a non-dom. No, I'm not allowed to talk about that. It's um but it but it's true. So you've got to remember there are taxation rates cause behavioural change. And there's an argument actually if you cut taxation rates the the curve, actually you finish up with more income. So um something that perhaps a chance to look, about, look at. Um, look, I can't remember where this speech is, so uh, <laughs> let me just conclude by saying, is the, mo- look, in the House of Commons, bizarrely, we are supposed to look at the motion on the order paper, which actually I do, and then vote the way that, as a member of Parliament, well, now I'm gonna to come to your point. Um, and, and that means, quite often, I'm voting against what is called the government whip. Um, <laughs> I By the way, it was very kind. Someone introduced me as deputy leader, former deputy leader of the House of Commons. Somebody said that. Yeah, I managed to do it for about seven weeks before they sacked me. Um, so I've been all my life an independent member of the House of Commons. And I, I, no, I can't take it because I'm being dinged. Um, basically, uh, the situation, I, read, I read, the, what's on the, read what's on the order paper, and then I vote whichever way I think is fit, even if it means I'm voting with the Labour Party. Or, or whatever, um, shame on that. Whereas other people, other members, just vote the way they're told. Don't vote the way you're told tonight. Not, don't wait because it's the right thing to vote against Peter Bowen. Do it oh, against Dan Hannan, because, well, no, not so much you, but me. <laughs> but do what is right, read the exam paper, read the motion, and vote against it. You cannot seriously, in all fairness, vote for it. So I urge you, to vote against the motion. Thank you so much.